Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and welcome to another edition of my Big Bag of Onions. Each show is a carefully curated selection of undeservedly unfamiliar songs and a dozen brand new short stories written exclusively for Colm Radio and especially for this show by you, our listeners. So it's time for you to sit back because this is Bill's Big Bag of Onions. just found out about love and I like it I like it I like what love has been doing to me I hold you close in my arms and I like it I like it oh what a wonderful future I see it's a one time only it's a lifetime deal and I know it's real I can tell by the way that Right now I'm living it up and I like it I like it, hey you, give me a clue What's love doing to you? Looks like you could be liking it Listening to Bill's Big Bag of Valentine's Day Onions here on Cone Radio 106.6 FM, broadcasting to maybe as many as 7.8 billion people all around the world. Right now I'm living it up and I like it. I like it. Hey you, give me a clue. What's love doing to you? Looks like you could be liking it too. Looks like you could be liking it too. A Valentine's Date by Harry Vosges. Happy Valentine's, my love. How shall we celebrate? For it has been almost a year since we had our first date. We could buy some snacks and wine, if that sounds good to you. I hear the shops are full again, the reason for the queues. We could go up to the park, if you don't mind the cold, where we can sit six feet apart and watch the police patrols. And I will want to hold your hand but can't, or there'll be trouble. Maybe next year things will be different, my love, if the council approves our bubble.
Well, I'm going under, and this time I fear there's no one to save me. This all or nothing's really got a way of driving me crazy. I need somebody to heal, somebody to know, somebody to have, somebody to hold. It's easy to say, but it's never the same. I guess I kinda like the way you numbed all the pain. Now the day bleeds into nightfall, and you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down. Then you pull the rug. I was getting kinda used to being someone you loved. I'm going under, and this time I fear there's no one to turn. This all or nothing way of loving's got me sleeping without you. Now I need somebody to know, somebody to heal, somebody to have, just to know how it feels. It's easy to say, but it's never the same. I guess I kinda like the way you help me escape. Now the day bleeds into nightfall. And you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down, then you pull the rug. I was getting kinda used to being someone you loved, and I tend to close my eyes when it hurts sometimes, and I fall into your arms. I'll be safe in your sound till I come back around. Now the day bleeds into nightfall, and you're not here to get me through it all. I let my guard down, then you pull the rug. I was getting kinda used to being someone you loved. Valentine Street Station by Adrian Cohen. We share a tube train every morning. We laugh and cry at the same things on the TV. You have that hat on on a Monday. I see you smiling on a Friday afternoon. And this is our city that we always see. Bed sits so seedy and old factories. And this is your stop. You'll be getting off. See you tomorrow. I'll be here tomorrow because I'm the answer to your question. I'm the mystery man in your dreams. But I don't even know your name. We've never even spoken before. Why must I long for the same things day after day?
You're listening to Cone Radio 106.6 FM, and this is Bill's Big Bag of Valentine's Day Onions. Saint Valentine by Rob Lewis. Valentine's Day is all about romance, flowers and chocolates and all that jazz. But the original Valentine might be surprised were he to walk among us again. He was a Roman priest in Umbria in the 3rd century. His speciality seems to have been restoring sight to the blind. But his problem was that he tried to convert Emperor Claudius, not that one, to Christianity. Not a good idea. He died a horrible death for his sins. They beat him with clubs, stoned him, and when that didn't work, he was beheaded. Not a rose or truffle in sight. Aisha Fatima Azara The city lights of Sudirman took her breath away but all she thought about was her mother in the living room waiting for her to come home She looked at his hand on the steering wheel red and trembling The hand reached for hers and after a while everything felt right She laughed at the fond memories of them together. The idea of losing him scared her a lot. He stopped the car. You know that I love you and I never mean to hurt you, right? he said. 
I know, she answered, while wiping blood off her busted lip. Word Onions, written, boiled, and peeled exclusively for Cone Radio, broadcasting to Northeast Essex. That's right, you are listening to Bill's Big Bag of Valentine's Day Onions. Telephone Conversation by Phil Boast
Keith dialed the number and was pleased when a female voice answered. Hi, it's, it's me. Just thought I'd follow up after the other night. I thought we might be a one-night stand, but I couldn't leave it there, you know. I see. Yeah, I also thought you might be a, a shy kind of girl, but you're not, are you? And it's like Valentine's Day, so I wondered if you fancied a rematch. Would you like to speak to Naomi? Oh, uh, hello, Mrs... Davis. I, I thought... Yes, people say we sound alike. Keith waited for the earth to swallow him up. Layer by Tony Piers. Thirty one minutes late. I'm soaked through. Laura, it's pissing it down. He laughs as he tries to grab my hand. I refuse. Good. In the past, I would have given in, and within moments, we'd be holding hands and splashing in puddles. I can't be that person anymore. I've spent six months building up a protective layer and I'm not about to let that go to waste. You used to be fun! It all washes over me. Today, the rain is my friend and I walk away welcoming its soggy embrace. Wonderful, chilling precipitation. Something I can rely on. Come the spring Leave before the meadow Like he sings Even though I love her There will be no other I know she 
She's gonna leave me come the spring No, she's gonna leave me by and by For I can see no love light in her eyes Beg, I steal, I borrow Hang on till tomorrow I know she's gonna leave me by and by got this feeling that I know she's leaving and I'm not gonna stand in her way Love Palace by Daryl Lotterby He planned his proposal for Valentine's Day. During dinner at the hotel dining room, he excused himself to use the gents, but instead raced to their room to create his surprise and to ensure romantic success. He scattered pink rose petals over the bedspread and placed one red rose on the pillow. Returning to dinner, he passed the young concierge, winked conspiratorially and gave a big thumbs up. Later that evening, she gasped as they entered their love palace. There on the bed was the concierge, smiling and naked apart from a single red rose. One year later, they were married. Love me, love me, love me, love me, say you do. Let me fly away with you. For my love is like the wind, and wild is a wind. Wild is a Me. In 
with your kiss my life begins your spring to me all things to me don't you know your life itself like the leaf clings to the tree Oh, my darling, cling to me For we're like creatures in the wind And wild is the wind Wild is the wind Wild is the wind Wild is the wind Listening to Cone Radio 106.6 FM, and this is Bill's Big Bag of Valentine's Day Onions. Regret by Jim Crim. We had large times, fine times, times of inexplicable empathy and mutual flow. Her presence, the one indissoluble goodness in my life, in the adopted city, our hearts fluttering like pigeon wings every time we met. But time sticks like Wellington boots, And I remembered the time before, when, at the point of no return, I was the spurned lover, the cast-off shoes. So, despite the truth of this relationship, I could not shake myself of an awful feeling of entrapment. Much as when you find yourself living on Valentine Island, where you know there is no doctor. We split. Maybe I'm a fool Lately I can hardly see the sun If you had a secret I could take a guess Nothing in your eyes Seems to hold me Truth or consequences Which one will it be? Someone said the time would ease the pain Of two lives love has grown apart But I believe whoever wrote that song Never had a broken 
One of us is hiding One of us can tell Cause no one likes to be the first to know Someone has to answer Cause someone has to ask Keeping on like this is torture And going undecided Is twice as bad for sure Someone said that time would ease the pain Of two lives love has grown But I believe whoever wrote that song Never had a broken heart Someone said the time would ease the pain Of two lives love has grown Victoria Line by John Dew Max Cafe, 345 Wandsworth Road, served any number of egg, bacon and variations, but my daily morning pit stop was not on the menu. I came for the smile that green-eyed waitress gave me as I paid for my fried egg and sausage bap. And how I loved her baps. But that February morning, I noticed the cream pavement of gum at Stockwell Tube Station exit. My life as a map of chewed over existence. So I bought fresh red roses from New Covent Garden en route to Max's. The smile the girl rewarded me with that day is still with me.
she'll come and she'll go. She'll lay belief on you, skin sweet with musky oil, the lady from another grinning soul. Cologne she'll wear, silver and americard. She'll drive a beetle car and beat you down at cool canasta. And when the clothes are strewn, don't be afraid of the room. Touch the fullness of her breast, feel the love of her caress. She will be your living end. She'll come, she'll go. She will lay belief on you, but she won't stake her life on you. How can life become her point of view? She will be your living end. Valentine's Day by Minnie Ardo After two months together, Rod thought it was time for some straight talking with Fiona regarding their relationship. So, are you happy with everything? You mean that my parents can't stand you, my best friend's trying to get off with you, and the whole thing's been a bloody nightmare? Well, if you put it like that, you know what today is, right? And now you want me to be your valentine, yes? I was rather hoping, but under the circumstances... What circumstances? What you were just saying. Why? What's any of that got to do with anything? End of conversation. Hello, 
Valentine Past by Bill Lawrence. On my 14th birthday, I met Valentine Strudwick. He lies at Essex Farm Cemetery on the windswept edge of the Belgian city of Ypres. Our class climbed off our coach and we found his grave. Worksheets ticked, they all moved on, but I stayed alone with my Valentine. He was only 14 when he marched 10 miles one morning to lie about his age and enlist as Rifleman 5750. He was killed at the age of 15 years and 11 months on the 14th of January 1916, the youngest Briton to die in the Great War. This Valentine died for my love. You have been listening to Valentine's Day Onions, written exclusively for Colm Radio by Harry Vosge, Adrian Cohen, Rob Lewis, Aisha Fatima Azara, Phil Boast, Tony Pierce, Daryl Lotterby, Jim Crim, John Dew, Midi Ardo, Bill Lawrence, and of course, David Bowie. And so that's all we have time for, for this edition of the show. If you would like to contribute an onion, just get in touch, either with Colm Radio or via the Bill's Big Bag of Onions Facebook page. And remember, the stories must be exactly 100 words long. So join us again soon, on a Tuesday or a Sunday evening, for the next edition of Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Be seeing you. you know Far from the sprawl of concrete that keeps crawling its way Keep your heart off your sleeve Guppy Productions present From Colchester to Sulawesi Written for Colm Radio by Phil Boast and Paula Larcher Episode 6, The Twilight Zone. The weeks and months between visits to Bahoo go along much as they had before. The only practical or tangible difference being a monthly visit to Western Union, where cash is transferred to Oni to be eventually converted into building materials on some far tropical shore or for paying somebody to mix mortar or lay bricks. We speak to Oni sometimes, but otherwise we can only imagine what is going on over there. And the lodge, such as it yet is, exists like some kind of a subtext to real life or like another life entirely, the reality of which is growing slowly, both actually and metaphorically, but is beyond our reach. And that can be a strange feeling. There is one thing which we decide that we can perhaps do 
since if we are to one day run any kind of business from Bohowo Lodge, we will need to set up a foreign investment company. And to this end, we make the sensible decision that we should try to do this here, in England. So, to this end, we telephone the Indonesian embassy in London. At least, we attempt to phone them, but all we ever get is an answering machine on which we leave our contact details, but nobody calls us back. Undaunted, we go to London and present ourselves in person to the embassy staff, who are most welcoming, and over tea and biscuits, we explain our plans to them. They are most attentive and encouraging, and we spend a good deal of time filling in forms and then meet various other officials and fill in various other forms. Finally, after several hours emerging into the daylight and the free air of the London streets, feeling as though we have undergone some kind of mental or psychological ordeal. But we had several business cards and an assurance that we would be contacted in due course once all forms had been processed. We wait. Nothing happens. Not one letter, fax, email or telephone call resulted. And we began to wonder whether we had collectively imagined the whole thing or had entered a kind of twilight zone, far detached from the reality of normal life. So, after all of that, our sensible idea came to nothing. And we must find another way. And at least wait until we're in Indonesia again to take things forward. Which, for me, will not be yet. This time Phil is going without me. I'm going to Florida with Mummy Carol and the three children to Disney and Universal to celebrate Hattie's eighth birthday. I am amazed. I've come back this time with Steve, a friend and work colleague, and have, after so many months of waiting, had my first sight of the lodge under construction, and I am amazed, which is not a term that I use often or lightly. We have walls, external and internal, up to ceiling height on the ground floor, and the ground floor is now concrete waiting for tiles. I mean, sure, it's a building site in the tropics with all of the mess, chaos, cement, dust and heat which this brings. But our lodge has taken physical form for the first time. And I can walk around that which will be the entrance lobby, the dining room and the lounge, the kitchen and the ground floor bedrooms, still looking up at the sky above. But still, the reinforcing irons are being placed and the timber props are being positioned to hold up the formwork for the pouring of concrete above which will become the first floor. The building is a steel-reinforced framework of concrete pillars with brick infills between, which have no strength to speak of, but the strength is in the framework. The area is volcanic and earthquakes are a regular occurrence, so the building must be flexible and must move with the earth and I better begin to understand Indonesian building methods, which are in so many ways so different at home. I have daily meetings with Oni and Mr. Yan, and we aren't yet on to finer points, but the building is going well, and otherwise 
Steve learns to scuba dive. So my days are spent underwater, or watching the busyness of our future being built. And this is a fine thing, albeit that she who is most beloved is in America at a theme park and can't yet share this experience, which is, well, amazing is the best word I can use to describe it, and I I don't use the word often or lightly. There's an ancient bridge that lives in me as old as rain as old as dreams I can't stop now I'm in too deep Myself in the wonder of things. There's a faultless God who counts my sins. He follows me around on devil's wings. Ah, but I secretive planning came to fruition. Hattie had no idea that we were all off to America and the boys were brilliant at keeping the secret safe. On the day of her birthday I convinced Hattie to come to Gatwick and have breakfast with Carol and I. Carol having driven me to the airport before I supposedly boarded a plane for Edinburgh which was not unusual work taking me there on a regular basis. Hattie was a bit surprised when mummy and the boys turned up with lots of luggage and we said surprise We're all going to Scotland together for a holiday, but I would have to work. The flight to Orlando was uneventful, but the crew made Hattie feel special giving her birthday cards and gifts. As we were descending into Orlando, Ed kept up the pretense that we were going to Edinburgh. The kids' cousins live in Scotland, and he would say such as, Look out of the window, Hattie, you can see our cousin's house. She seemed a little phased, but readily agreed with her elder brother. We passed through immigration and the officials said, Welcome to America, only to be corrected forcibly by Hattie. No, we're in Scotland. (laughs) To avoid further confusion and an international incident between one large, by now slightly bemused American official and one very small but adamant girl, we hurried her through to get the luggage and the realisation finally dawned. Instead of being excited, she was furious. I think it was the shock and the fact that we had all hidden the secret from her. She has now assured me that she is never, ever going to believe anything we tell her again. (laughs) Fair point, I feel.
Once settled into our house, which will be home for the next two weeks, I phoned Phil in Indonesia. Phil describes the lodge in detail, which was boy detail, and then in my idea of detail. And if ever there was a time when I wished that I could be in two places at once, this was it. But still, here I am. And for me, Indonesia will have to wait, for now at least. While I'm here, I'm fortunate enough to witness something which, to me, is quite extraordinary. The now all but impenetrable forest of timber props, the steel reinforcing and formwork are in place to pour the concrete for the first floor. And this is the next stage of construction, which is something to be seen. It involves about 60 workmen, which is all of the village men plus others hired in for the occasion, who, I am informed, are all to be paid double the usual day rate and have the next day off as a paid leave, because that's how it's done. The point being that the concrete must be poured in one go to avoid any weak joints. There are no concrete mixers or wheelbarrows, such high-tech building equipment having not yet reached this part of the world. So, about eight men, all wearing regulation safety flip-flops, mix the ballast and cement by hand. From here, a chain gang of men, also wearing flip-flops, pass buckets from the mixing area to a bamboo ladder, up which the buckets are passed, then on running boards across the area to be concreted, at the end of which is Mr. Yan, with a length of timber who tamps and screeds the concrete to its finished level. Two or three men are responsible for collecting the empty buckets and throwing them down to the mixing area to be refilled and repeat their journey. The work started before dawn and carried on unabated until the early afternoon. My primary responsibility, aside from paying for it, being the provision of clove cigarettes, three packs at a time, as often as required to maintain the momentum. And these boys can smoke. The whole affair had something of a carnival atmosphere about it, which is hard to describe. And aside from working hard, everyone is clearly enjoying themselves, singing, laughing and talking amongst themselves. And at the end, bottles and plastic containers of chapticus, the locally and illegally manufactured firewater, are produced from somewhere. And everyone gets drunk before going home. The next morning, I rise early and make the short journey from the hotel. And at dawn, I ascend the bamboo ladder and am standing alone on the now set concrete in the peace and quiet of the tropical morning. And for the first time, I have panoramic views of the local islands and of the wide blue ocean. And I am amazed once again. I sit down on an upturned bucket, roll a cigarette, and weep. I don't know why, really. Maybe it's the madness of the whole thing, or the beauty of the whole thing, but the emotional overload takes me by surprise, and it was just one of those moments when weeping seemed like the right thing to do. It's okay, though. I'm alone, and nobody will ever know. Motherland, cradle me, close 
and we will hear more about Phil and Paula's adventures in Indonesia next time. Phil's Big Bag of Onions is a guppy production for Cone Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. (laughs) 